You're listening to Under a Pile of Books, and in this episode, I sit down with Stephanie Burgess, author of the self-published Harwood Spellbook series, as well as a number of traditionally published novels. It was wonderful to sit down with Stephanie. We have a great conversation about romance in fantasy, about uh, her books, uh, about writing and self-publishing and traditional publishing and all the rest. I think you're really going to enjoy this. Also, we recorded this episode before the most recent book in her Harwood Spellbook series released. Uh, But it is now available. So Moon Tangled by Stephanie Burgess released just a day or two ago. So go check it out. Get it off of Amazon and uh, really enjoy that. Have a great time. Or pick up the first book in the series, Snowspelled. And now, here's my interview with Stephanie. Hey, everyone. I'm here with Stephanie Burgess author of the Harwood Spellbook series, uh, as well as uh, the middle grade series, uh, Tales from the Chocolate Heart and uh, Cat Incorrigible. So uh, welcome, Stephanie. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. It's a real pleasure to get to get to talk to you and uh, yak about about your books. So uh, thanks for coming on. Well, I am so pleased to be here, Um, and I said this before the podcast started, but I appreciate you waking up early for it since I'm in Wales, which is uh, several hours ahead of time. (laughs) Oh, no, no problem. You know, I have to say it's been been great getting to, you know, through sort of the magic of the internet, I get to talk with and interview um, authors and bloggers from all over the world. Um, so it's, it, it does make timing a little, a little tricky sometimes, but it's, it's all good. It's all good. So now, um, Stephanie, you are, um, a hybrid author. You have middle grade novels that are traditionally published. Um, I think your, uh, Tales from the, uh, Chocolate Heart series is at least in the U S I think it's published by Bloomsbury. Um, And then you also, um, you have some other series as well. And then you, you also have some adult fantasy novels that are self-published. So, That's right. uh, so what, what went into your, your decision to kind of self-publish or to go this, this hybrid route? Well, I'd love to say it was all part of a plan, <laughs> <laughs> but a lot of it, like a lot of, you know, my writing career decisions in general have been sort of figuring out my way as I go. So I started out planning to be completely traditionally published. Mm. And actually, after my first three books came out, uh, middle grade books with Simon and Schuster in the U.S., okay. uh, my next two books were adult novels that were published traditionally by Pyre Books, also in the U.S., Oh, yeah. yeah. But after that, <laughs> um, I was sort of leaping around between genres. And the next thing I had sold was this new middle grade series to Bloomsbury. And I realized I didn't want to lose my foothold in the adult fantasy world. Mm-hmm. I didn't want that as a writer just because I love writing adult fantasy. And I also didn't want it really... I didn't want my readers to forget about me either because I know I've got some wonderful crossover readers who read everything I write and I can't even express how grateful I am that they're willing to jump mm. around with me. But I also have readers who only want to read my adult fantasies or who only want to read my middle grade fantasies. And I wanted to make sure that I kept on 
I kept on reaching out to all of those people. So the perfect thing to do <laughs> would have been to keep on writing one novel a year in both of those genres to a deadline. And <laughs> unfortunately, I have two young children and it just was not going to happen. Mm. I had to be realistic about that uh, if I wasn't going to drive myself completely into the ground. Yeah, I, I hear you. I've got two young children as well, yes, so I, I hear you. You know how it goes. Yeah. I mean, as we speak now, my older son is homesick. Luckily, he's with his dad right now, which is why we can talk privately. But, you know, schedules are hard to commit to. Yeah. And I always I felt I could definitely commit to hitting one novel deadline a year. I couldn't commit to hitting two full novel deadlines a year. And so I decided... What I could commit to doing was writing at least one novella a year because that's shorter. Yeah. And so I wrote Snowspelled. And I originally thought about trying to get Snowspelled traditionally published, but there are so few markets for novellas and most of them pay so badly. I just, mm -hmm. it wouldn't mm -hmm. have made any financial sense. And as I was trying to make this decision, I talked about it in a private author group I'm in asking you know so for people's opinions and <laughs> I actually got a fantastic really stern email from Alona Andrews whose work I love and who you know is a fantastic person also um, and she said she had looked at some of the short pieces that I'd self-published in the past because every so often I just put out a little novelette or a little short story and I wouldn't do anything with it. You know, I just think, oh, this is fun and put a cover on and I'd mention on my blog that it was out there and that was it. I'd move on. <laughs> and she said I was shortchanging my work and I needed to commit. <laughs> and she was right, first of all. And then she did this amazing thing, which was she wrote a blog post recommending one of my short stories that I'd self-published oh, on her wow. blog. By the two days later, that story, which had made, I'm going to be honest, like until then it made maybe $50, you know, <laughs> that year. Um, and that weekend it made $1,300 <laughs> Oh wow! because her readers are an incredible force. Yeah, and right. so I thought, well, this combination, I have to actually take this money and take it as the gift that it was and use it to get serious about my self-publishing. Mm. And so I used that money to pay the expenses for self-publishing Snowspelled the right way, not just yep. you know, slapping it out there, but mm -hmm. actually buying a really beautiful cover that really worked, you know, doing some advertising, it going all the way in a way that I never had before. And in fact, it did so well. Um, I'm not going to say <laughs> I'm anywhere <laughs> near, you know, the top best-selling self-published authors, but I actually have made it, more money with that than I ever did publishing my first two traditionally published adult novels. Oh, wow. Yeah. Which was a real eye-opener. <laughs> and um, so it also got gave me the freedom to then have fun and write more in that world. Yeah. And in fact, the yeah. second book in there is a full novel. It's a short novel. Mm -hmm. But it's it's not just a novella. But I love having the flexibility of self-publishing so that, you know, for instance, the next thing I'm publishing in the series, Moon Tangled, uh, which will be out, I assume, by the time this episode comes out. Yes. You know, yep. That's, again, another. It, that's just a short novella that's about 18,000 words. Uh, and I can go back and forth. 
for the, the length that each individual story calls for and also the amount of time I have so that I'm always giving my readers something on, in a regular basis, but I'm not overextending or burning myself out. Yeah, and, and I think, I mean, I... Um, th that's kind of this cool, this cool story of kind of finding your way into um, self-publishing, if you will, and uh, in, in a way that worked for you. And I mean, yeah. I have to say when, um, you know, the, certainly the, the cover for Snowspelled is eye-catching and it's just, it's, mm. it's the perfect cover for the story that's inside, you know, it really reflects yeah. uh, the story. So uh, I, uh, I have enjoyed the the Harwood Spellbook novels immensely. So glad. Um, so thank thank you for kind of taking the the risk and and putting them out there. And and Snowspelled in particular, I think was a was just this great uh, romance read in this really interesting world. And then Thornbound mm -hmm. certainly as well. Um, so I'm I'm curious though what your your inspiration was for for Angland and mm -hmm. especially the the kind of the switched up or at least what we in the west might consider switched up gender roles within right. the, the the world well i've always been a major british history geek it's part of how i ended up living yeah. in the uk in the first place uh, but also i mean I, it was a combination of things all coming together. So I've always loved, you know, Regency romantic comedies. And my first trilogy actually for kids is called Cat Incorrigible. And it's about a girl in Regency era England who's actually, she's like a typical younger sister of a Jane Austen heroine, except she's actually having <laughs> magical adventures while her sisters have boring romantic adventures, you know, from her perspective. Nice. <laughs> so, you know, I, I love playing with that mixture of Regency feel with mm -hmm. magic. But then I've been thinking for a while, I wanted to hit a similar kind of tone in an adult story. And I wanted to do it differently. I wanted to, with my, with Cat and Corrigible, it was all real history and the magic was going on behind the scenes mm -hmm. is a secret thing. And I thought, well, I'd like to do something a little bit more radical this time. I want to play with it. And I hadn't figured out how to do that yet. And then, to be perfectly frank, the 2016 elections happened, <laughs> mm. and I was very upset. Um, yeah, yeah. I needed something to write as an escape, and I had gotten so outraged several times by people repeating this, you know, nonsensical line that women are simply too emotional to be right. president, yep. president yep. is president, you know, and I thought, well, I'm going to just flip that. So, I love it. <laughs> I, so in England, you know, politics are naturally left to hard-headed, pragmatic women, while the more naturally emotional and irrational men handle magic. <laughs> you know, that just fits. <laughs> and, you know, obviously that there was a, a lot of catharsis in setting that up. <laughs> but also it was important to me that that be set up as something that is unjust as well. You know, mm -hmm. it's not that doesn't make it a utopia. That makes it an equally unfair in a different way situation. Right. Yeah. And it was really fun then to take my love of British history and go way back and think, well, how could that have happened? Where could it have started? You know, I decided that the Boudicca had actually successfully kicked the Romans out in my version of history. And that's right, what yep. sort of kickstarted all the differences. So it was a whole mix of <laughs> escape from a current political reality plus getting to just enjoy all of my geeky history, <laughs> you know, loving aspects. I love it uh, because, you know, I mean, at least 
we we got something good out of that that election. <laughs> so um, so you know, it's um, it, it, I really the way that you weave just this this concept of you know, um, men men do magic, women you know, handle the, the, the politics and, and all of that. And the way you weave it really into, like, like you said, the actual history of your sort of alternate history of your world, mm-hmm. I think is really fascinating. Uh, and it just, it, it, for, uh, as you said, you know, these, these are novellas, short novels. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet you've managed to, to somehow uh, cram in an incredible amount of world building and it doesn't feel unnatural or, or, or tacked on it. It really is just yeah. naturally part of the story. And uh, I really, really appreciate that. I'm someone that loves a uh, deep world building and to get that in the midst of these stories that are, I think you could call them really quite personal. Mm-hmm, uh, definitely. Story, they're not, they're not necessarily like, you know, about huge armies battling in countries, <laughs> war or whatever. Right. But there's this, this, personal intimate nature to the stories and uh i, I really i've really enjoyed them uh, as a result so, so. Uh, now one one of the things that uh, i mentioned is snowspelled uh in particular mm-hmm. is a is a, a romance mm-hmm. and um there's there's always a lot of discussions uh anywhere you go online various forums and, and mm-hmm. whatnot about romance and fantasy you know some folks mm-hmm. love it some folks hate it mm-hmm. and so as an author what do you think romance adds to the fantasy genre or maybe mm-hmm. a better way to ask the question is to reverse it and say what does fantasy add to you know romance stories i would say i mean as an author and as a reader, I get frustrated quite Mm -hmm. often by the sort of knee-jerk, you know, romance should stay out of fantasy kind of reaction, partly because I think, I don't want to blame any individuals, but I think as a culture, we have all inherited a lot of internalized social rules that we wouldn't necessarily hold Mm -hmm. up when we we really think them through. Sure. And... I think there's a really strong element of internalized misogyny in there that romance has traditionally focused on female characters, female heroines and their happiness. And it's traditionally been written by women and is still overwhelmingly written by women and is associated with female stuff. And thus it's kind of taking down the tone of science fiction or fantasy somehow. (laughs) I think there's a lot of really questionable um, principles going into that kind of attitude. And I've run into it in the past in quite a frustrating way. Um, you know, when my first book was uh, for adults was published, Masks and Shadows, originally there was one science fiction fantasy website that said they would publish an excerpt online. And then they got back to the publicist at Pyre and said, actually, we're not going to do an excerpt. We will go ahead with a giveaway, but you, Stephanie needs to rewrite the a description of the book so that there's absolutely no indication of any romance because that's not for our readers. Wow. <laughs> and in order to do that, the only way to take away, because it didn't even say specifically that there was a romance, it just mm-hmm. hinted at it. And the only way to take out any hint of romance was to take out all the female characters from the description. <laughs> mm. And I just talked about the different men involved in the story and it was, and that was what they wanted. And that was what they published. Wow. for the And it, I felt, kind of smeared by the whole experience. Mm-hmm. Um, I was left quite unhappy. 
Uh, so I hope that people who have just taken it as a read as read that you know that it's natural to not want to have romance muddying up your fantasy would maybe sometimes stretch themselves and try yeah. some good romantic fantasy novels and see what they think of them and try to also interrogate yourself a little bit on where this strong feeling might have come from and it's perfectly okay not to enjoy romance also <laughs> you know mm -hmm. I don't want to say that anyone has to there are all sorts of things I enjoy or that I don't enjoy and that's fine but just think about where these strong feelings of something being inappropriate in a genre might be coming from but after Stepping on from that, um, <laughs> when it comes to what romance adds to the fantasy genre, or really any genre, I think a lot of it comes down to a real feeling of visceral comfort. Um, I just read a wonderful newsletter from a, a different fantasy author, Alex Harrow, and hmm. I can actually send you the link if, I don't know if you ever do links with show notes, but um, Alex Harrow wrote a newsletter about her recent discovery, really, of the romance genre. She just started finally reading romance at this point in her life and was shocked by how much she actually enjoyed it after assuming she wouldn't. And the thing she talked about, and I actually wrote it down because um, it made such an impact on me, she said, the joy of reading without armor. Because you know that's the absolute guarantee, the definition of a romance, it has to end with a happy ending yeah, you know you, right. at the end there will be the kiss you know they don't necessarily have to get married or have kids but you know they have to <laughs> they will end up together and happy and there is such a pleasure as a reader in being able to let go of your armor you don't have to brace yourself mm -hmm. things are not going to turn out miserable is it you you can commit all the way you're safe you can Go for total emotional investment. You will be taken care of. You will be nurtured. And at the end, you'll feel happy. And that's a lovely, comforting thing to escape into, especially when stressful things are going on in your life or in the world at large. Um, I think I would say that escapist fiction, if you want to call it by one of the words that's been used as an insult. Sure, um, right. But it has gotten so many people including me through some of the worst times in our lives because yeah. when you're going through hard times you desperately need an escape that's the most valuable thing you can be given mm -hmm. and of course I'd also add as someone who's happily married I don't think it's that unrealistic <laughs> to, <laughs> to think that possibly characters might meet someone they fall in love with and end up happily together that's actually one of the most important things in most married people's lives I would say is when you meet someone and you actually decide you want to change your life by sharing it with them, that's huge. That's not something that's only important for some part is for women or, for, you know, it, it, that's actually a really serious thing that helps define how our lives go, who we get together with romantically, who, how we change our lives for them. Um, so <laughs> that all being said, I also think fantasy is infused just by the very nature of the genre with a sense of wonder. And that makes every, every book better, I yeah. think. So I would always personally prefer to read, you know, a romantic fantasy or a fantasy romance rather than just a romance set in the real world. You know, just as a personal subjective issue, I want fantasy in all of my stories. That's what gives, that's what gives me a huge sense of fun and a sense of wonder. Yeah, well, and I, I'm I'm the same way, and you know what you've 
kind of what you've outlined here in terms of, of both the kind of the, the benefits and also some of the, the, the struggles that mm-hmm. romance uh, as a as a genre of fantasy or as a subgenre, particularly, you know, of uh, fantasy. You know, I, I think romance itself is obviously wildly successful and a lot of oh, people yes. love it. Um, but whenever it comes to that connection between romance and speculative fiction uh mm-hmm. you know i think it, it as you've said it, you know there've been a, there's been a lot of prejudice against romance mm-hmm. and um so i really appreciate you just sharing some of your your story there and whatnot and there's there's so much more that we could really i think say uh, on this topic and and maybe maybe sometime i i should just Absolutely. do a whole podcast on uh romance and fantasy because i think there's a lot uh, a, a lot so to many great novels. Yeah, well, there there really are, and you know, I've I know in talking to some folks um, that that I interact with, you know, sometimes mm-hmm. their complaint can be, and I think this is often mm-hmm. the case, and I don't mean to sort mm-hmm. of fire a shot across the bow of male authors, but mm-hmm. much fantasy is male authored, yes, and male authors have not always done the best job of <laughs> presenting believable mm-hmm. romances, um, particularly uh-huh. believable romances where both characters have agency uh-huh. uh, and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think sometimes that's the taste of fantasy that reader mm-hmm. or the taste of romance in fantasy that, that readers have. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, they're left kind of dissatisfied with that. Um, mm-hmm. And and I think all of that goes back to sort of the, the latent uh, just, mm-hmm. just, assumed misogyny that you were you mm-hmm. were talking about and and i'd yeah. also just add that although romance is wildly popular as a genre in terms of sales it is wildly uh disdained in society sure sure and, that's fair. you know that's absolutely considered the norm to sort of sneer at romance as being mm-hmm. not as good as other genres and that is what makes it part of what makes it seem dangerous to have it creeping into fantasy <laughs> Is because it is definitely sure. considered mm-hmm. at the bottom end of the literary kind of hierarchy. Yeah, and 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 I get that that people consider it that, but I just don't. In my reading, that just doesn't bear out. I've read some no, phenomenal <laughs> uh, romantic fantasies or or fantasy romances. You, you know, however you want to, wherever you draw that line. Um, over the past year, even there have been some great ones. Obviously, I've already mentioned Snowspelled, and there have been several others that, um, folks who have have listened to my podcast or follow my reviews or whatnot know there are some mm-hmm. really great fantasy romances out there. Uh, you yeah. should be reading them. You should be enjoying them because it's it's great mm-hmm. fun um absolutely so. i would i just have to throw in a shout out for my favorite new author of romantic fantasy tasha suri s-u-r-i oh, yeah. her books empire of sand and realm of ash they have just completely blown me away and they have the best world building and amazing magic and yep. also very powerful romantic through lines oh absolutely and and I, empire of sand um i read that shortly after it came out i haven't gotten to uh, realm of ash yet i need mm-hmm. to um, but but empire of sand was just great uh i really really enjoyed that and that is absolutely go 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 read that go enjoy it because you know we have these um i think newer authors like tasha who are mm-hmm. are coming in and they're bringing something unique to mm-hmm. 
the 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 fantasy genre in comparison to what has come before. And it's not Absolutely. that you know I love classic fantasy and all of that. You know, it's great. I grew up with it. But there are authors doing new, really unique, really fascinating things mm-hmm. uh, in the genre, and they're they're worth reading and 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 taking a look at. So, absolutely. Um, now, speaking of um, authors doing kind of new or different things, as you mentioned, you're you've kind of taken this tack with your adult fantasy novels of, you know, publishing what you can manage right mm-hmm. in in a year and so sometimes they're shorter or whatever and you've got mm-hmm. a uh novella coming out um moon tangled well coming out future as we're recording this probably <laughs> will have just come out mm-hmm. when uh this podcast episode is actually live and you dear listeners are listening to us but uh but moon tangled and mm-hmm. this i think you've you've sort of said this is book 2.5 or whatever in the That's in the right. Harwood spellbook. Um so tell us a little bit about that book and and uh, as well as maybe what your plans are going forward. Absolutely. Well, Moontangled is it's a standalone story in the series. So if you wanted, you could read it first before reading the others, but it stars two heroines who first appeared in Snowspelled and Thornbound as very important side characters. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So in this world traditionally Women have dealt with government, and the most powerful women in the country have risen to the Boudicat, which is the ruling group. However, in order to ascend to the Boudicat, uh, tradition says that you have to be married to a mage. And tradition always says mages must always be men. So (laughs) the problem for my characters is Caroline Fennell has been raised to become a member of the Boudicat. She's absolutely on that career arc with all the connections and huge expectations on her shoulders. Um, And unfortunately for those plans, she is wildly in love with Juliana Banks, who, uh, horrifying her own family, has a huge gift for magic. She's a brilliant magician. (laughs) So their secret betrothal is what has inspired a lot of the developments in those first two books, Snowspelled and Thornbound, as they're very involved in the creation of Anglin's first college of magic for women. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And their whole plan is to keep it secret until Juliana has actually officially graduated and can hold up a certificate saying, I am, you know, (laughs) a trained professional magician. And therefore Caroline says, you see, I'm, I'm, I'm filling my part of the bargain. I'm marrying a magician, you know, and, and then yep, yep. Uh, yeah, uh, sort of enter the arena that way. Uh, even though they already know it's going to be extremely, uh, uh, I, what's the right word? It's well, it's going to raise a lot of eyebrows. It may, it may or may not work. People will be angry, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. yeah, that's the plan. Well, so everything seems to be set because Juliana is now a school, now a student at the Thornfell College of Magic. Um, everything seems to be on the right path, except unbeknownst to her, uh, as they've been living in different parts of the country and having to correspond only by letter, Caroline has been going through an absolute political crisis owing to some events that happened in Thornbound. And... Mm. It, so she's been suddenly going distant, and you know, this is the moment when these two women who've just been going along with having their story arc on the side of the first two books get their moment in the sun, and this is where all of the misunderstandings that have built up, you know, 
are going to come to a head at this enchanted ball, an outdoor ball by the woods that are ruled by the dangerous local fae. And <laughs> there's a midsummer night's dream overtones as they go into the woods and everything gets, you know, turned on its head. And it's full of magic and adventure. And they're going to have to use all of Juliana's magical skills and all of Caroline's political negotiating skills if they're going to get out of those woods again alive. And it's it was so much fun to write. I had so many readers writing to me after Snow Spelled and again after Thornbound saying, when do we get Caroline and Juliana's story? Right, and right. I'm so happy I get to finally provide it. You know, it was it was what I wanted to write next. And I was so happy to get those reader emails to give me the confirmation that there were people waiting for it. That's awesome. That's awesome. See, readers, giving authors feedback gets you what you want. That's Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Especially when it's what they secretly want, you know. That's right. That's right. So this this is really um, this is great. I am very much looking forward to uh, Moon Tangled, which, uh, again, if you're listening to this, the uh, book has released. You can go pick it up on Amazon and uh, enjoy. And uh, you know, uh, if you haven't read yet, uh, Snowspelled and, and Thornbound, and uh, there's another novella in the series as well. And I'm blanking Stephanie. Yes. Right. Yeah. Um, so go read those, enjoy them. Uh, they're great, great stories. And, uh, I'm, I'm really glad that uh, we'll be getting, um, Juliana and, uh, Carolyn's story, uh, coming up very soon here. Very soon. That's so. right. Uh, so, there's always a, a question that I ask every uh, guest who comes on the podcast, and that question is, if you could have dinner with any character from all of fantasy or speculative fiction, who would it be? It's such a tricky question. And, you know, <laughs> you sent me this question a few days ago, yep. and up until the beginning of this podcast, I had not decided. <laughs> <because> <laughs> it is so difficult. And... I have been going back and forth and I had reasons for different ones. <sighs> you know what? I am going to be completely narcissistic in a most horrible way. Uh, but I'm, this is because of my absolute obsession with chocolate. I am going to oh. say I would have dinner with the woman who owns the chocolate house in two of my books it's called the chocolate heart her name is marina and she is incredibly grumpy and she has no diplomacy but she makes the best chocolate in the entire world and there is no way that she would come to dinner without bringing chocolate oh so, i love it <laughs> i i would not i am not promoting my own books as being like the, the best adventure <laughs> literature i am just saying that for pure chocolaholic you know, <laughs> satisfaction i want marina's chocolate in real life <laughs> That's great. That's awesome. <laughs> oh, wow. So, so Stephanie, thank you so much for being willing to come on. Where, where can folks find you um, online? All over the place, really. I have a website where you can read excerpts from all of my books. It's stephanieburgess.com. I have uh, Twitter, which is at Stephanie Burgess. I have Instagram, at Stephanie Burgess in Wales. And for the last month, I've also had a Patreon patreon.com oh, slash stephanie burgess and i'm really loving actually i'm trying something new this year with the self-publishing using patreon it sort of gave me the chance to be a little playful and to try a 
different model this year because I realized I'd fallen out of the habit of writing short stories. And I love short stories, even though I also love, you know, longer, you know, builds. And so what I'm doing this year is I'm actually writing a series, a connected series of fantasy romantic comedy stories about this grumpy inventor heroine and her outrageous neighbor in the big black castle down the road. And it's called Good Neighbors. And I'm going to be, it's like a TV series. So there's the episodes. Each of the episodes is a story. And so just starting in March, I'm going to be publishing all the different story episodes on the Patreon as I go. And then at the end of the year, when all the stories have combined to the end of the series, or at least, you know, series one, (laughs) I haven't decided if it's one series or more. And at that point, I will put together a probably novella length collection and I'll make that publicly available for people to read but the Patreon readers always you know get to see the stories first right, and right. I'm, I'm loving kind of building that personal connection and getting that feedback you know, the, it's been such a fantastic experience already because I write I do a um a book club column every month and it is just mm. full of people's comments and recommendations and swapping recommendations and I've loved getting to form that community and really get to play with you know yeah just sharing writing a little bit more personally with some of my readers i think that's really cool and again the the way the internet can connect readers with authors and and you know just kind of bring people together around uh shared uh, things that they enjoy and and that kind of thing is really neat so Mm. um and that 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 sounds cool. So folks, go uh, support Stephanie uh, on Patreon and uh, get uh, get to see this uh, this series of short stories as it's it's going and and before anyone else gets to. So that's that's, that's great. So Stephanie, again, thank you so much for being willing to come on and uh, and talk with me today. I really appreciate it. I really appreciated the invitation. Thank you. 